Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 4 of Season 3 of Movie Around Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee our way through the 1988 Bruce Willis action flick, Die Hard, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is Jake Cluett of the upcoming Con Air Minute, or Con Air Podcast, and the Deep Blue Sea Podcast, however you want to call it. It's not Minute, it's, it's the Con Air uh, Chapter. <laughs> yeah, we didn't know what to call it. Uh, scene by scene didn't really work, so we just uh, deeply see the podcast, Conair the podcast. It seems to work. Okay. Hey, Hello. Sometimes simple <laughs> is, is just as good. So, it's all about the SEO. It's all about the SEO. Gotta gotta be searchable. I don't know enough about the SEOs, which is why I need your help sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I get it from my wife. So. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right. It, it doesn't matter where it comes from, as long as, as, long as it works together. Yeah. So thank you for coming back and joining us for another day of Die Hard. Happy to be here. Walking backwards down a corridor. <laughs> Walking backwards around a circular corridor. <laughs> a hairpin bend, it seems. This is a very oddly laid out. Completely. Completely. So minute four begins with Takagi continuing to give a speech and ends with Lucy McLean getting up really quickly from the floor. So... Yesterday, we ended things with, uh, we, we get to see the party that's going on in the Nakatomi building. And Takagi's giving his speech. And he continues by saying, on behalf of the chief executive officer, Mr. Ozu, and the board of directors, we thank you one and all and wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And then we hear someone from the crowd scream, Merry Christmas. And someone else say, Happy New Year. <laughs> so it, it, it's just pretty funny the way that 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 the whole thing is uh is is laid out yeah so maybe that's somebody shouting happy new year implies that they're going to be shut down between uh christmas and new year which will explain why holly is quite so busy because she's trying to do a week's well, worth of well work we know that we know that they're going to be shut down because uh, but, well i don't think that's they're the going to they're going to need it <laughs> they're going to need yeah, it yeah, just the screen door how Takagi had planned <laughs> the evening to go no no well Takagi doesn't have to worry about it anymore that's well, the rest sure. of his life <laughs> so we we then get to see we continue on Holly who we saw yesterday walking across you know the area where everyone was listening to the speech except for her you know, I guess I guess she's high enough on on the uh, totem pole that she doesn't need to really be paying attention and she just walks across and walks into a corridor and starts walking down and then we get the, the on screen credit for William Atherton yeah who another great. villain that you won't get to talk about. <laughs> One of, one of the great movie dads, yes. William Atherton. Completely. <laughs> He's really good at it. So uh, we we did an episode of the Lambcast once on Die Hard 2 for our Christmas movie of the month. And in that, we came up with the term uh, to describe a film that has just a lot of bad guys in it, like low-level bad guys, as being uh, having a sphincter of a... <laughs> uh, which uh, the great Wolves later from explaining how they got to come up with that term. And Die Hard, Die Hard 2, these films have so many kind of low-level scumbags that it's just so much fun to, to not not even amongst the terrorist group, just outside of that. I mean, we've, we've got the other one in this chapter, Hart Bochner, Harry. Horrible guy. Just yeah. an all-time sleazebag. Another credit in this chapter is for Paul Gleason. Just a, a wonderful twat. <laughs> you know, just to hate in films. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's so much fun. There's that, that kind of ca- caliber of character actor that is so enjoyable to just despise on screen, and they do it yeah. so well. It's true, and they, they they work well. And these, you know, they, they use the same actors over and over for those things. Yeah. 
So it's it's nice and shocking when you see them in something where they're not playing that character, you know, which doesn't happen very often. Yeah, like uh, Hart Bochner is in Terror Train, uh, <laughs> but it is, is fine. It's, it's not it's no fun to write about. And I did not recognize him in that because I I was looking out for a guy like doing cocaine and being an idiot, and I couldn't see anyone like that. So I don't know. I assume he is in there somewhere. Yes, but, but uh, not here. So, all right, Hartbinder was born on October 3rd, 1956. He is, he will be 66 years old later this year. He has 30 TV credits and 26 movie credits. The only three movie credits that I actually noticed that I know what they are is obviously Die Hard. He was in Breaking Away in 1979, which was a Super Super nominee. And Supergirl. In Breaking Away, he played a teen, you know, uh, bully. Yes, yeah, and, I've seen I've seen Breaking Away. I have not seen Supergirl. Yeah, and he was in Supergirl, so I don't remember offhand what role he played there. I, I think he's the love interest, uh, if I ah, remember other people. That's very possible. That is possible. He's, he's Ethan. Yeah, it was it was a terrible movie. I don't want to. That's so not even I, something I want to go back and revisit. You know, because it was I I, I love Helen Slater, but you know, no. If I want to see Helen Slater in a good movie, I'll see her either in City Slickers or in Secret of My Success. Don't don't need to go back to Supergirl. (laughs) Holly is played by Bonnie Bedelia, who was born on the 25th of March, 1948. She is uh, 74 years old right now. She has 56 TV credits. She was actually in on two TV series. She was on Parenthood. She was in 103 episodes there. And the Division, where she was on 88 different episodes, and she has 34 movie credits. You know, Die Hard, Die Hard 2, Presumed Innocent. Presumed Innocent, yes. And she was actually in a movie called Lovers and Strangers from 1970, which is hilarious. It's such a great movie about, like, preparing a wedding and, you know, all the different things that can go wrong, and she plays the bride. She, it's a relatively small part because it's all about everyone around the wedding party. But it was it was a very fun movie. To, to what, watch. what was that called again, sorry? Lovers and Other Strangers. Okay. Yeah. So as she's walking down this corridor, so Ellis comes from behind and says to her, Hey Holly, what about dinner tonight? Huh? And then here she turns to him and tries to nicely brush him off and says, Harry, it's Christmas Eve. Families, stockings, chestnuts, Rudolph and Frosty. Any of these things ring a bell? You know, and, and first of all, he's, as you mentioned earlier, he's walking backwards as they're talking. And it's it's great how they're having this this uh, West Wing-ish type of conversation. Yeah, it's walk and talk, know. yeah. It's a walk and talk. But, but yeah, I mean, it's, not, it's, a nice, it's one long tracking shot. It's like a, a subtle one. You don't really pick up on it. Yeah. And yeah, I... I, I it feels quite unnatural, though, because the way Harry is walking backwards and having this conversation when they could just... Walk alongside each other, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. yeah. Uh, maybe because it makes him the, the way the camera sleazy. was. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a little sleazy in everything that he's doing there. No question about that. So she mentions a few fun things in her in her dialogue here. You know, she mentions stockings. You know, so what do you know about stockings? Oh, Christmas stockings. I yes. assume you're talking about of where you hang, hang up on the fireplace, get small gifts, but in them for Christmas presents, generally for kids. Yeah, decorate them, name them. I don't know. <laughs> Do you know where the idea came from? 
Um, I mean, I'm going to guess that somebody used actual stockings that they were for feet and put presents in them. Oh, yeah. that, no. Well, actually, it, it originally comes from the, the origin of, of the, the life of St. Nick. Okay? okay. Now, apparently, according to legend, right, that St. Nick was staying with a poor family and heard that the father was planning to sell his three daughters into prostitution in order to save them all from starvation. So he wanted to help, but knew that the old man wouldn't accept any charity. So he decided to help in secret. So he left the house after dark. He threw three bags of gold through an open window, one landing in a stocking. When the girls and their father woke up the next morning, they found the bags of gold and were, of course, overjoyed. The girls were saved from their sad fate. <laughs> okay. Where did the other two land? Oh. <laughs> we could be putting like, Christmas presents in fish bowls or something. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> So this led to the custom of children hanging stockings or putting up shoes, eagerly awaiting, awaiting gifts from St. Nick. Sometimes the, the story is told with gold balls instead of bags of gold. And that is why there, there are three gold balls, sometimes represented as oranges, as one of the symbols for St. Nick. Okay. Well, I suppose that, I mean, uh, when I was young, my parents would put like a few coins in the stocking. So okay. I'm going to guess that's where that comes from. Makes yeah. sense. And this is also the origin of the three gold balls used as the symbol for pawnbrokers. Hmm. So I guess St. Nick was a pawnbroker. You know, he wanted his money back. <laughs> he wanted we his gold get, back at some point. <laughs> we would get one of each coin. So like a, a 1p, 2p, 5p, 10p, 20, 50 hmm. pound, 2 pound. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so what do, you, what do you know about chestnuts? Roasting an uh, I don't like them. I know that they are roasted for Christmas, but I'm not a fan. Okay, well, it, it actually comes from the, the Christmas song sung by uh, Nat King Cole, which yes, is the most performed holiday yeah. song of all time. And, you know, that that's where it comes from. Most people uh, have not that, actually that's... experienced having chestnuts on a, a, a roasted on an open fire. Well, that uh, is, uh, I, I've been to New York for Christmas once, and they they had some there, and we we kind of got a bag, and I right. didn't really like them. Yeah. Right. Well, they said so that I think that's the, that's the line from that song. I know. I can't think of anything else in that song other than chestnuts roasting on open fire. No, Jack, no, Jack, uh, Jack, Jack Frost, Frost nipping it, nipping, nipping it. Toes? Toes. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So apparently, the American chestnut tree is almost entirely extinct, which is why they have to get them imported. <laughs> is it because the, the the fire they used to roast them on was from the tree? Maybe it could be. It could be. Use every part of the buffalo. There, there were there were trees that were that were more than a hundred feet tall and usually about ten feet wide. And at one point there were nearly four billion of them. Wow, that's amazing that they're almost extinct. Yeah. That's sad. Well, I, I, well, I guess because they you know wanted to build uh, cities and towns. So let's just get rid of all of the. Uh, you know, all these, all, all these trees in the way. <laughs> yeah. So they, they imported a whole bunch of Asian chestnuts to, to parts of the U.S., but it was too late because there there was a, a problem that, uh, you know, these trees were just dying out. So, yeah, that, that's what it comes down to with uh, chestnuts. So then she mentions Rudolph and Frosty. Do you know who Rudolph and Frosty were? Are, I'm pretty sure Rudolph is a reindeer and Frosty is some kind of man made of snow. Yes. So Rudolph, the red-nosed reindeer, was a fictional reindeer created by Robert May. Wait, fictional? 
Well, you know, it's a legendary story. (laughs) Thank you. He was the ninth and youngest of of, uh, Santa's reindeers and had a luminous red nose that would be able to lead the other reindeer team and guide the sleigh wherever they needed to go. So the story goes that uh, it was originally, he first appeared in 1939 in a booklet written for Montgomery Ward, which was a department store. And from there, the, the story continued and they, they, you know, they created coloring books and they eventually created a, a TV, uh, TV show, TV uh, cartoon about it so that people can actually hear the story that basically he was ridiculed by all the other reindeer because he was very different. And then, you know, they, they, they all realized their mistake when they needed his red nose because there were no headlights on the sleigh. Yeah. And then they eventually uh, helped to help see to that radioactive tumor on his face. And got it fixed. Yeah. Yes, basically. And then Frosty, the snowman was a, is a jolly happy soul. I think. Uh, like, had like a, a yes. pipe, a corn cob, I believe it was, button nose, two eyes, coal. Yeah. So it's based, based on the song uh, recorded by Gene Autry, which was written by uh, uh, Jack Rollins and Steve Nelson. And it's a story basically of a snowman who. <laughs> who a group of children find a magical hat and put it on his head and it brings him to life. And he sounds like Michael Keaton. Well, not, not as freaky. That was a freaky (laughs) movie. Yep. So Frosty plays with the children until the hot sun threatens to melt him. And then he says goodbye and he'll be back someday. So they actually, there are some places where they change part of the lyrics that instead of being, I'll be back someday, he says, I'll be back on Christmas day. And the song okay. supposedly takes place in White Plains, New York, or Armok, New York, and there is actually a parade in Armok every single year dedicated to Frosty. Frosty. So yeah, and then we we get two more screen credits. We get the screen credit of Paul Gleason and the screen credit of Hart Bachner. Now I, I mentioned earlier, it looks like they basically walked in a circle because you see ahead of them. After, right when they're about to get into walk into her office, you can actually see the the party going on in front of them. So, like, shouldn't she have just continued walking and then? I think it's a triangle. I think she's because when she leaves the party, she's heading off in as we're looking at it, a kind of a northeasterly direction. Okay. And she makes a turn to head back, and um, that's when when Harry's walking backwards, and then they make another turn. So I think this is a this is why it's a very odd layout. It feels like there's like a triangular, maybe it could be a square, I suppose. There's there's some kind of a block that they're walking around, uh, where there's like an office. In yeah, that but it looks strange that, that she would go that way. She that she wouldn't have gone. It is a very you yeah. know she she already walked through the crowd, so just walk a few more feet through the crowd to get to your office. Yeah, I agree because she she pauses to kind of look at some of the data. Maybe she's taken a wrong turn. She's been so focused on the days that she's just gone the wrong Maybe way. Maybe they were making too much noise, so she wanted uh, you know a little bit of quiet while she's walking down the corridor. Or she's just trying to get her steps in for the could day. be, could be. <laughs> Many years before they 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 invented that idea, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pioneered yeah. somewhere. This is what this is what the Nakatomi Plaza does. They make sure of it. And then Ellis, 
Hartbrochner says to her, actually, I was thinking more of a mulled wine, a nice aged brie, and a roaring fireplace. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, first of all, it sounds really creepy what he's saying here. <laughs> I mean, everything he says and does is the creepiest thing in the yes. world. So. <laughs> yeah, but just the way that he does it here. You know. So, wh what do you know of mulled wine? Do you know what it is? Uh, it's it's wine that's been warmed up. It's uh, put some spices right, in it. It's spiced wine, uh, which is yeah. uh, usually made with uh, red wine, and they they put a whole bunch of spices mm -hmm. in, sometimes raisins, whatever, and it is some cinnamon. Right, yeah. and served hot or warm, and it is a traditional drink during winter, especially around Christmas. Yeah, and uh, it's much more popular in Europe than it is in America. Yeah, it's the, the dairy-free alternative to eggnog. Apparently. Basically. Yeah. And, okay, what do you know about Brie? Besides it being Jeez. a town so, in <laughs> Middle-earth. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's sort of pretty sure a town in France. Uh, but uh, it's, it is a cheese, it's a soft cheese. I enjoy a great deal in a, uh, on a bacon sandwich. Uh, uh, yeah, I like Brie. It comes from Brie. It's, it goes well with cranberries. Nice and a baguette. Uh, you know, it's, okay. it's a a soft, a soft <laughs> brand of cheese from the French region of Brie that is usually pale in color and slightly grayish tinge under a rind of white mold. Sounds sounds really. Yeah, I have some in my fridge, doesn't it? You you eat the mold. Yeah, mold's I'm, nice. I'm sure it is. <laughs> it is. It works. Yeah. I will be having some for lunch today. <laughs> Just because we're speaking of it, there you go. Some mold or some Brie. <laughs> Uh, both. They come together. Packaging. Okay. Hey, why not? Sounds like <laughs> sounds like fun. So the 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 idea here obviously is he's you know the, the these are both brie and malt wine are used uh, somewhat as aphrodisiacs. I I have not heard of brie as an aphrodisiac. Uh, uh, cheese is what so I've never considered to be a, a, a have aphrodisiac properties. Yeah, but uh, I mean basically, uh, but there's fine, no question that this is sexual harassment. What he's doing here. Oh, no yeah. question about it. <laughs> He's just he's just a guy trying to get a date. <laughs> With the the yeah, I mean he he could not be more clear. Yeah. If he would say like, and by mold wine I mean me, and by brie I mean you, and by roaring fireplace I mean my bed. Like he it couldn't. It's implied. It's all yeah. This is bad. He knows that she has. Like children to spend Christmas Eve with. He doesn't care yeah. at all. He's just in it. He's just out. And for what he doesn't know that she's married. But you I mean. Know, she, Separated, but still married. I, I feel like that shouldn't be considered a barrier, given her, uh, her status at work. She does; she's not with John. That's yeah, but she does have a picture of, of the four of them together. She doesn't have like no pictures of him. Okay, we'll talk about the pictures okay. tomorrow. Right, you're right. Uh, I'm making that okay. go. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. But uh, you know, her 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 response to him is is uh, she she just ignores him basically, and then we get. Yeah. Five more credits. I'm not going to go into all the different credits here because it's not, not I mean, needed. This isn't going to be the first time that she's had these kind of advances Apparently from not. him, I'm sure. So she's used to ignoring him right. at this point. And then she, she walks into her office, which has a very, very strange layout because it looks like the secretary is in her office. You know, there's, yes. there's no, like, separation between them. It, it, so you can theoretically say that she's sharing her office with with her secretary. Yeah, well, like... Yeah, maybe she, maybe she's the kind of person who doesn't spend a lot of time in her office. She's always like busy elsewhere, 
and so it's useful to have the secretary in there. Uh, maybe because we know the building is is under construction in some areas, so maybe the plan is to build some kind of dividing wall. Right. I, don't, I don't, know. don't know. No, I don't think they're. Well, the, these floors seem done. You know, it's not the, the upper floors that that we're getting to yet. Don't know. And maybe what, maybe once they finish the upper floors, they'll then have a, a a recalibration of everything. They're like, oh, is anything we need to improve? Yes, the dividing wall. Yeah, but there's, that time will never yeah, come. That's true. And then she says to her secretary, Ginny, it's 540. Go, go join the party. Have some champagne. You're making me feel like even these are Scrooge. And then her response is, thanks a lot, Miss Gennaro. Do you think the baby can handle a little sip? That baby's ready to 10 bar. So, <laughs> again, no. a very strange <laughs> conversation here. First of all, the, char- the, the actress who plays Ginny, is, her name is uh, Dustin Taylor. I don't know when she was born, but she she passed away on the 21st of March, 2004. She has four TV credits and one movie credit. Surprisingly, this movie. Her real name is Karen Burke. So I guess she changed it, you know, to, just to have a stage name. So no idea how old she was. Uh, I, I tried doing a little research, and I think I might have found an obituary for her, which would state that she was 55 at the time. When she passed away so that would mean that if that was 16 years before she was in her late 30s you know when the when she made the this movie it's possible don't really know so you know they mentioned champagne so obviously i know you know what champagne is but i'll just quickly say it comes from the champagne region of france another thing that comes from it's a sparkling wine originated and produced in the champagne wine uh wine region of france okay now, did you know, though, that most people thought that Dom Perignon was the one who invented it? But apparently it was invented by mistake. I mean, most things seem to have yes. been. Apparently, <laughs> the, the pressure in the bottle led it to be called the devil's wine as bottles exploded or corks <laughs> popped. So it wasn't a case of uh, a truck carrying wine, a truck carrying carbon dioxide ran into each other. Yeah. <laughs> your peanut butter fell into my chocolate you know that exactly yes so in 1800 how many bottles a year do you think they produced of champagne 1800 uh 100,000 okay. 300,000 okay then we'll skip to 1850 how many so 50 years later how many bottles did, do you think they were making a year uh, 600,000 20 million okay that's more than that okay yeah. <laughs> and in 2007, it hit an all-time record of how many bottles do you think a year? 20 million and one. 338.7 million bottles a That's year. That's a lot of champagne. That is a lot of champagne. <laughs> no question about that. And then she mentions Ebenezer Scrooge. Yes, he's from a book. Who, he's from a book. Do you know what yes, book? Yes, Christmas, Christmas Carol. <laughs> Do you know what year it was written? It was written? No. <laughs> 1843. <laughs> played by Michael Kay. Most people. He's played by a lot of different people. <laughs> Albert Finney. He, Bill Murray. Come on. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not sure his first name is ever Sort of. Uh, That's right. <laughs> yeah, so most people know the story about the Christmas Carol, about a, a miserly man who is 
visited by three ghosts in order to try and get him to change his ways and become nice. Yeah. I think that was successful. So, yeah. Uh, yes. Now, the the word Scrooge is actually in the dictionary now. It's also known, it's it's a synonym to stinginess or misanthropy. Yes. And uh, a lot of people still use his famous catchphrase, bah humbug. Yep. Yeah. So, again, they're talking about a pregnant woman. Uh, drinking alcohol. Which I believe was... Do you think uh, this is a good idea? Uh, no, and in fact, at the time they knew it wasn't. It was 1981. It was uh, publicly made aware that pregnant women should not drink alcohol. <laughs> yes. So this, some seven years later, I mean, a, a sip, fine. I, I'm, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure most... I'm not going to comment. Uh, I don't think she should be. No, but for her to say that she can tend bar, that's... A that is uh, incorrect. Much, yeah. factually incorrect. That is a fetus. Uh, you cannot, cannot hold true. a bottle, let alone work an optic or pour a pint. Even Jay couldn't hold a bottle in 1988. But yeah, uh, a bottle of, of beer. Certainly not. Hey, or no. of alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't really know about the, the whole thing. It's 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 been a known fact for many years that it's it's dangerous. You know, It, it can cause uh, uh, spontaneous abortion, stillbirth, low birth weight, prematurity, uh, a variety of other birth defects and developmental abnormalities. Uh, so, yeah, people should, women who are pregnant should not drink. So, okay, even so is Holly trying to sabotage this pregnancy? Is she trying to keep her Maybe. Uh, loyal secretary from ha- taking maternity leave? Is Holly the villain here? Hmm. she spent too much time around Ellis? Ooh. Could be, but I mean, part of the whole thing is that Ginny's going to get a few weeks vacation yeah. after this movie anyway. So, and I'm surprised she didn't go into labor. Well, they get her. You know, we'll, we'll talk about that later in this. You know, they get her. So, we'll, we'll, yeah. but I'll have one brought out to her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there, there is a little bit of a continuity error here because as she's walking towards her desk, so, you know, she, she talks to Ginny and then Ginny gets up and leaves. And then, um, and then we have Ellis say to her, "Last chance." And then she turns to him and says, "Bye." And then we don't see her pick up the phone. And then we see we hear the phone ringing. So they 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 cut something along the way with that. And as the phone rings, we then get to hear well, a phone, the phone ring, in, ring. A, in a house. She's where we no, but we hear her. Oh, I see. We hear the phone ringing through her. You know, we hear oh, what she's hearing, I guess. Yeah. So then we see two kids playing on the on in in the kitchen or whatever it is, and the girl jumps up and runs towards the phone, and that's how this minute ends. So do you no, have anything else to about the kids have tomorrow? About this minute? All right. So. The script has a few interesting things here. It has the, a big discussion. It has a longer discussion about Ellis. It says, falling to step with her is Harry Ellis, 37, VP of sales, well-dressed with stylish, stylish, slicked back hair. He looks and acts very smooth. And then we have the whole discussion between them about dinner. And then as she gets into the office, it then describes who Holly is. It says, her name is Holly Gennaro McLean. Though the nameplate on her door stops after the first two, she puts the printout down on her, on her secretary's desk. 
And then Ellis continues with what he that he wants to whine and brie. And then she, it says, Holly ignores the come on, turns to her secretary. And then she says the exact same line to Jeannie, but she says that it's 640 instead of 540. Again, doesn't really make a difference except for establishing that things are a little later than, than beforehand. And then instead of Ellis saying to her last chance, he says, how about tomorrow night? And then it says, Holly just points to the door. He follows Ginny out, clearly not giving up. Just then the party on Holly's phone picks up. And then we see a five-year-old Lucy McLean racing. And that's pretty much how it, so, it ends. So, uh, Harry tries for Christmas Day as well as Christmas Eve. Wonderful. Uh, good. Yes, apparently. Well, come on. You know, he, he just doesn't give up. What can I tell you? So... <laughs> Every Thursday, the segment that we have is another off the beaten track holiday special. So, Jay, have yes, I have a story Christmas story this time. So, I've actually had uh, pretty uneventful Christmases of my life. I mean, there was the the year the uh, the table centerpiece caught fire, uh, but it was dealt with very quickly. So, the the most eventful Christmas that I've had was when we first had our our dog. You may have heard him have a little cameo in the first minute of this week. Uh, he who is a, a labradoodle when he was a puppy. Called Murphy. We went over to my sister's house for Christmas. Uh, my sister has always been a, a, a neat, clean, tidy person. Her entire house is white on the inside. Everything is white, uh, but she still allowed us to bring a dog. So this is entirely her fault, as far as I'm concerned. So nice day, presents, etc. Uh, they've got they got garden. There was a pond in the garden, and uh, Murphy was was only a few months old. Uh, he hadn't encountered a pond before. Had a lovely time running around the garden, and then he kind of saw the pond and thought, "Oh, I might jump in that." And so he ran up, ran up, leapt, and was caught in midair before he landed in the pond. So he like, it was my my brother-in-law at the time caught him, um, and so that was fine. That's impressive. It, yeah, it, it, it was. I kind of saw it through the window and I was like, "Oh my god, how did that?" Uh, so we then kind of thought, oh, "Okay, we don't we don't want him to jump in the pond." Uh, so we kind of kept an eye on what he was doing, kept guard, uh, or we thought we did, up until everyone was looking the other way. We heard a big splash, and he jumped in the pond. And it wasn't a big pond; it was quite muddy. And he was uh, a very fluffy dog. So my my uh, then girlfriend, now wife, uh, spent I don't know an hour toweling him off with every every towel and uh, scrap of fabric my my sister had to spare. And then we kind of he had to stay in the conservatory for the rest of the day, um, not allowed outside. It wasn't a fun Christmas for Murphy, but that's kind of the most eventful Christmas I've had. It's just a dog jumping in a pond. I'm sorry to say I haven't really got any. any I hope your future guests have more uh, grand, world-ending uh, Christmas or holiday stories to tell. But I've, I live a pretty uneventful life, I'm afraid. Apparently. <laughs> Apparently. All right. Great. So you want to once again tell people how they can get in touch with you? Yeah, so uh, uh, another site that I, I run is The Lamb. Kind of mentioned yesterday The Lambcast, Lampity podcast. The Lamb is the largest association of movie blogs. It is exactly what it sounds like. It is a, a huge collection of, at this point, over 2,000 movie blogs and podcasts. Uh, it's how Rob and I met. You can find it at largeassmovieblogs.com. If you have a movie blog or podcast and want to join uh, a, a community of like-minded folk, it's always good for looking for podcast guests or podcasts to appear on or just friends. If you want to try and meet people online, you like to talk about films and come join the lamb. 
there's a, a real great community there. And then you find the lamb cast through that. So largehousemovelogs.com is, is where to do that. I am the shepherd of the lamb at the moment. So Cool. Thank you very much. And while you're doing that, you can go rate, review, and subscribe on any podcast you might be using to listen to this show. You can find me very simply just by doing a quick search for a movie or a minute. You can go to my website. You can find me on Facebook. And you can find me on Twitter. So, Jay, you feel like coming back and uh, finishing off an entire week, not just five days, but in a six-day week on this podcast, both seasons like two and three. I think it'd be rude not to at this point. So, yes, count me in. All right. Excellent. So we will see everyone tomorrow. And until then, yippee-ki-yay. Yippee-ki-yay.